Hello, and welcome to the Knowledge Podcast, where three Neanderthals talked about stuff even we don't know. Today's episode is going to be on an alien existence. Did I get that right? It's your idea. Yeah, it's your idea, mate. How was everyone's weeks? It's alright, yeah. I, my family's down this week from Derby, but other than that, I haven't been up to much. been doing stuff. Well, that's, that, that sounds like fun. Oh, I haven't been doing much this week. Just, well, podcast research. I've taken to reading. I know, boring. How about you, Riley? I've been alright, thank you. Again, a bit of a boring week. I've just gone to work, worked out, helped look after my brother. Basic, basic stuff, really. That sounds like a entertaining week. It is entertaining. Yeah. How is your brother? Looking after siblings. How is your brother now? He's good, thank you. Ten months now. Ten months? Ten months. Jesus, that's yes. actually gone so quick. <laughs> it has gone quick, yes. If I had to guess, I would have said he was like six months. I'm not going to lie. Nah, he's ten months. That's mad. Does it feel like ten months for you? Nah. Nah, I'm not surprised. It does not it feel like ten, like ten months. months for me. Shall we get into this week's episode? I, I guess we could. I guess we could, yes. Possibly. So, I just want to address something that the special one discussed last week. The donut theory. Okay? So when I was talking about the flat earth, for a brief moment he mentioned a donut. Not because he's obese, but because he's interested in the physics of our planet. And I found something. Something that disappointed me greatly. And according to physics, the donut planet is theoretically possible. However, it would spin extremely fast and it would not be very stable. Days would be very short, so it wouldn't be long. And the moon would be in the middle, but it would move in and out in like an oscillating fashion. And the sun would be elsewhere, so the sun wouldn't be in the middle. If the donut had no tilt towards the sun, it would be extremely hot on the outsides and very cold on the insides. However, if it had a tilt like our Earth has, it would be very reasonable to live in the whole way around. Desert anyone? No? Uh, sure. What kind of donut? Jam. That sort of, that sort of donut that Jack was talking about? Raspberry donuts. Raspberry. Yeah, they're better than strawberry. Mm, I like the apple donuts. Chocolate donut. Oh, the other day I had, a, I can't remember where they got it from, but it was a chocolate and orange filling. It was so nice. It was so chocolate good. Chocolate and orange oh, donut. Get jealous. It was dirty. It was, it was filthy, but it was so good. Anyway, it's not Foodie 5, is it, Jimmy? No, it's, about, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's, it's not Foodie 5, no. So, I just started research by looking at the definition of alien. Because I, when you think about alien, you kind of think of an extraterrestrial being, you know, like, but it's the kind of definition is quite blurred. I think of a green man on Mars, specifically. Okay, well, for Rudy, it's not blurred. He's, you know, he's got a pretty clear image. Well, he's been up there, so he should know. Yeah, Rudy is one of them, so... But what is an alien, right? And one of the definitions is an extraterrestrial being. However, it does also apply to humans. If a person calls another person alien, it's he's possibly foreign to their country and usually out of place. And an alien culture would be an unfamiliar culture belonging to, again, like a foreign country. That's what people use it for. Like, main people, they use the term alien for stuff they don't understand. Yeah, exactly. So, for example, Jack is alien to me. I'm very alien, yeah. But the other thing is, is ideas, certain ideologies might be alien to someone. And again, it's like unfamiliar or disturbing to them. So all of these definitions lead to the idea of unfamiliarity. So the idea of aliens is something that we don't understand from another place, which is extremely unfamiliar to us. So they all kind of link to being mysterious and unknown and out of place, really. So what is their place? Where will we find them? Among the stars? 
different solar system. Space. Under the oceans. Under the oceans? Potentially. Do they count as aliens if they're under our oceans? Unless they've come from somewhere else. Well, you just read out the definition of alien to us. Yeah, unfamiliarity. If you don't know what it is, technically, you class it an alien. True. However, the other definition of a true alien is a hypothetical or fictional being from another world. So technically, it wouldn't be an alien in that sense. Because the, the definition of alien we're looking at is a being from another planet. So the question is, what is the place for these aliens? Where are they? And although we say, hmm, space, that's a very broad term. We don't really know where in space. Broad space is so huge, so massive, we don't even understand its scale. Next like, to a star? Well, it would have to be in something called the Goldilocks zone. So you heard the, the tale of Goldilocks, right? Not too hot, not too cold, not too comfy. I heard yeah. there was also some bears involved on in that story. Ignoring the bears, Goldilocks wanted everything that was in the middle. The porridge not too hot, the porridge not too cold. And it's called the habitable zone, so the planet would have to lie in this zone where it's not too hot and not too cold. There would need to be liquid water on the surface, we think. To allow the water to also be possible to freeze. Not necessarily, no. We don't need frozen water. It's nice to cool down your cold drinks, but other than that, we don't really need it. Think about what, what we need it for. Ice lollies. Ice lollies, right. But we, you know, we can make a freezer for that. Polar bears. Why would I need polar bears? You don't need polar bears, do well, you? No, you do need polar bears. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you dissing polar bears for? What do you I'm need polar bears, bears for? He's no, polar yeah, bears. Jack, why are you dissing polar bears? What do you need polar bears for? <laughs> to be polar wise? bears. To look nice. Polar bears are sick. Do you have one, like, mounted in your wall or something? You versus the polar bear, <laughs> who's winning? Um, the polar bear? Unless exactly. I have a 12-gauge, and then I'm going to win. Where would you get a 12-gauge from? You're an arsehole. Probably America. Moving off the polar bear subject. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, then that was that. Okay. So what are the conditions for life on Earth? Because looking at Earth allows us to potentially see if life forms are anything like us, what they would need on their planet, potentially. So there are some key factors that allow life on our planet to exist and go on as it does so we need water obviously you know we all we're all made of water we all consume water and it also has a use that not many people know about and it increases the speed of chemical reactions and everything that happens on a microscopic scale with chemistry is greatly accelerated by the water on our planet so it's a catalyst effectively yes catalyst increases reaction speed yes and we have jupiter right and jupiter is huge and what it actually does for us is it acts like a giant meat shield. It literally blocks all the meteors, all the outer space objects from hitting into us and destroying massive chunks of our planet. It's literally like a big body shield for so Earth. So what you mean is we need a body shield? We do. The other thing we have is the ozone layer, right? A layer which is made of three oxygen atoms together called ozone. That thing's still around? It's yes. still around. That's how we're and still if it alive. wasn't, we would have UV type C everywhere which is what we've talked about a little bit before. It would destroy the plants, and without plants, we can't eat, so we would die. So we need ozone. We also need magnetism, because the magnetic field that our Earth creates protects us from other types of harmful radiations from space. And so without that, we'd be totally done. And the reason we have magnetism in our Earth is because we have a solid inner core, which is solid because of the pressure it's under, that spins in the liquid outer core, which is not under so much pressure, but it's at a high enough heat that it's it's not like runny liquid but it's just liquid enough to allow the inner core to spin it's like honey kind of yeah H honey's not liquid but it moves kind of like it yeah it's more like sticky it's, it's liquid but it's the word for it is highly viscous highly viscous viscosity means how thick a liquid is i actually did not know that no it's quite interesting to be honest uh, like you think about treacle it's really viscous 
but you think about water and it's not viscous. Okay, the reason that our core remains so hot is not because there's a guy in there rubbing his hands together really fast, warming it up. It's because it has uranium in it. And when uranium, well, uranium is a radioactive element. And when it decays radioactively, it produces huge amounts of heat. And that's what keeps our core so cold. Uh, cold? That's the opposite of what it is. I was just going to so say, hot. you just said it needed to be hot. <laughs> it sort of keeps it so hot enough that it can like spin could, and make heat. Could the core cool down then? Over time it will. But it's the thing is, is uranium decays on such an incredibly long time scale that we will human species will very unlikely ever see the end of it because you know you know how radioactive decay works with half-lives and yeah yeah it's basically once the uranium gets so low, low enough level it won't be hot enough to remain molten and it will freeze on the inside much like the interior of, we think the interior of mars has i was about to say about maybe aliens have existed they've made it past that stage and they've just either died or they're sailing the void and it's quite a common um, concept that that's what's happened to mars like they think that Mars is locked up on the inside and that there was once liquid surface water, but once the atmosphere was effectively blown away, the heat was so intense that it actually evaporated all of the water that was left. Have you seen, uh, I'm not sure how long ago it was about Mars, that what they believed was actually wind on Mars is actually water. Oh, okay. So it was proof that Mars actually had water on it. Right, so which it, it's it been encourages that theory water. a lot more. Mm. Okay. So we might there might have been Martians... There might have been. I mean, there still might be. There might, might not be liked being called Martians, but there might have been. They might not understand us. <laughs> Probably speak a different language. Moving on from Martians, what is the next uh, thing for life on planets? So, the next reason that we have life on Earth is because of the abundance of carbon atoms. Humans are carbon-based life forms, as is every other life form on the planet Earth, including bacteria, including birds, reptiles. You get, you name it. It's made of carbon. And that allows carbon-based life forms to ha- to occur. And there is a theory that other planets might base, might host, sorry, silica-based life forms like we have on Earth in the form of the Kardashians. But they think there might be natural silicon-based life forms on other planets. So that would be quite interesting because that would rewrite our concept of biology entirely. It will open up a completely new chapter for us to look into, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Because you have uh, carbon and we all we know know is carbon is the only type of life we've understood, seen, smelt. But we have theorized about a silicone base. Only in about the last fifty years or so we have learned about carbon life forms properly and really understood them. So to have a whole new type of life form introduced would be like completely baffling to science. That'd be quite amazing, to be honest. Do they theorize that silicone based life forms will work the exact same as carbon based with the like lungs? We honestly have no idea. Or gills. There is quite literally no way to tell. So it is just a theory. It's a theory. We have no evidence. We have, well, there can always be speculation, but it's completely in the dark. Because we have no evidence of anything vaguely like a silicon-based life form. So the next thing that gives us life is light. We have enough photons coming to us in the form of light from the sun to power photosynthesis, which is a form of primary energy production. And all that means is that we're producing energy from something that comes from outside of our planet, and that just provides provides the food to the base of our food chains in our ecosystem. food chains, provides food to the plants, it it provides food up it. It gives us food, gives us energy, blah, blah, blah. 
the next reason, and this is the last one I'm going to talk about here, is we have enough greenhouse gases in our atmosphere to actually keep the heat in. And without these, without any atmosphere at all, we would our temperature on the surface would be approximately minus 153 degrees Celsius. So pretty cold. So that's a, that's a slight difference to now. We need the water vapour, the carbon dioxide, we need the methane, all of those beautiful greenhouse gases, as bad as they are in big numbers. We need them to keep us alive. That that does, though, it does demonstrate how delicate um, planets like ours are. Well, it, ours is the only planet we've discovered so far. Mm. So it just shows that it is like a lottery. If you don't have perfect uh, um, luck, basically, in that cycle, the planet will not be able to sustain life or even have the potential to. Yeah, I mean, it's such a kind of narrow window it seems like that these things have to be in like you can't it's like the goldilocks thing again you can't have too much of something can't have too little of something because if it's outside of that range nothing will live like trying to find a needle in a haystack while you're blindfolded exactly you can't bring a magnet to that one unfortunately mm. there you could say that you have the opposite to a magnet exactly because you, the you're universe is expanding isn't it yeah. so. do you know the theory about what's going to happen to the universe no um is this about it stretching Thanos out? Snap his fingers. Is it about the universe stretching out? No, it's not about Thanos either. What might happen, we don't know. Again, it's pure speculation. What might happen is eventually, instead of stretching out, everything's going to come together. What, collapse in? Effectively, yes. I thought, I'm not sure, this was a while ago I saw this, but it's about how the universe is still expanding from the Big Bang. It is still expanding. We're looking at a time frame that we can't comprehend. So... What are you saying there? It might just contract? Over time. Over time? Possibly. We don't know. We don't know how much energy the Big Bang has. We don't know how the Big Bang even works. We don't know how the universe is expanding. If we did, we would probably have far more sophisticated technology than we have on Earth now. It does bring up one thing that I looked at. It was about how to identify life. And planets we might have already classified as uh, not having life. They might have had life. They might still have life. But we are just not technologically advanced enough to be able to see that. Because if we can't land and collect samples, how are we going to know if there's bacteria and stuff? Mm-hmm. The bacteria they, is still alive, Aren't isn't they it? doing something with Mars at the moment, or they're theorising something with Mars about collecting samples from no, it? No, they've surface. got a rover on Mars, I know collecting got a samples. Rover, but I'm not sure if they got samples back from it. I'm not 100% sure on that one, but I know that it's collecting samples. I don't know how it sends them back, or if it has sent them back. Email. Something we might have to look into. Maybe. Just... Get, a, get an email in your inbox from NASA Mars Rover. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Well, the rover just sends an email back to NASA headquarters. Like, hey, oh, mate, I found these samples. Do you want to have a look? <laughs> just attach a bunch of JPEG images from the samples. <laughs> There's just a JPEG <laughs> image I of like think alien that the um, rover does do that. I mm. think it takes... I'm not, sh- I'm not entirely sure. I think it might have a, a camera on it. I think it takes photos and videos, yeah, yeah. photos and videos, but there's no, like, physical samples. I'm not sure if it emails it or not. <laughs> Maybe that. it won't email it. No, I think I think it does collect samples. I think it has some kind of technology on it which can How allow do you it know to it doesn't bore into the rock. Anything, though, Rudy. It could email it. I said I think. I didn't say I knew. I'd love if it just emailed it. That'd be wild funny. A JPEG from Mars Rover 1. <laughs> Check this out, bro. Check this out, bro. <laughs> Mars samples. I found a pretty cool rock. <laughs> Want to have a look? <laughs> that probably would be the net. Once we can get to Mars or get to the moon properly, properly, what I mean by that is actually be able to sustain people up there. There'll probably be like geologist teams 
on that. Oh, there'll definitely be geologists on there. They'll be yeah, like they'll uh, have to be professional geologists. You can't send like well, Elon Musk up there. As- astronauts. There'll there'll be geologists. There will be probably people that specialize in plants and biology of ecosystems. The, fu- um, the funny thing that people don't usually know about astronauts, and because I just think astronauts are is uh, the job, but astronauts are actually scientists. Hmm. Of course they are. Yeah, but one thing when I was really young, what I thought was that astronaut was a job. Was just the job. Oh, you they thought they just shot off? You thought they just shot to off to the moon to like collect rocks or whatever, and that was okay. it. Well, the only thing I knew about then is that they put a flag on the moon and came home. To be fair, that 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 would be a pretty easy job if if that's all they had to do. Okay, we had to take a quick break because someone outside was using machinery and it was probably picking up quite loud in the microphone. So if you hear that, I apologise. We were getting very off topic anyway, so it was probably good that we had to stop and think about what we were actually talking about. Wasn't the last thing we were talking about about a guy putting a flag on the moon? Something like that. Yeah, so, about nice. how it'd be an easy job if that's all you had to do. Oh yeah, that's right. We were talking about what astronauts actually, yeah, what you thought astronauts had to do. I remember yeah, that. we made the obvious statement that they were scientists. They weren't just spacemen. Yes, right. Back to topic though. I was thinking more rocket men. Rocket men. They're not El- mate. They're not Elton John. Well, maybe they are. Elton John as an astronaut. <laughs> oh, that's where Every Man astronaut's came from. name isn't Buzz. It's Elton. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear. That's that, that. That's the one true astronaut. Yeah, he can fly. Definitely. He's also plastic. Wow. And from a fictional movie. Wait, is he yes. the life form made of silicon? I think so. Yeah. Wait, we're dreadfully off topic again. All stop. Right. Stop. Right. Back, back to topic. <laughs> okay. No more Elton John. No more Buzz Lightyear. Let's get back to topic. Okay. So now that I've talked about what conditions we need for life on our planet, let's talk about what we might need on other planets for life to exist there. Obviously, much of this is the same, but the things that they think are essential components for life is obviously liquid surface water with the temperature in the habitable zone. And this habitable zone also needs to allow the water to be in liquid form on the surface. Is one of the requirements oxygen by any chance? Possibly. 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 Because you think about uh, our early bacteria respired without oxygen. I'm going to add on to that. How about an atmosphere? We do need an atmosphere. That's something I was moving on to because without an atmosphere, it's likely that all of the water would blow away. And because I've also heard about how it could be theorised that things could breathe... Is it nitrogen? Am I thinking Uh, the right thing? Things use nitrogen to get energy, but I don't know they can breathe Because that's what respiration is. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's breaking down energy. Ooh, that's something to think about. Oh. Anyway. Fancy. The other thing they would need, likely, is a primary energy source, such as the sun that we have here for photosynthesis. So they need something either the same or extremely similar to that to exist. And if the biology on their planet is similar to ours, then they would probably need nitrogen not to respire, but because it's used in basically all components of life. And that includes things like amino acids and DNA. So... That is what we would probably need on other planets for life. But wouldn't, but could they not have DNA? Almost like bacteria, as it doesn't have the um, neat DNA. It's not DNA, but it's still a genetic imprint. They would need some form of like genetic barcode, basically. What's up, Ronnie? Something I'd just like to add on is this This is going on topic as well. I'm not just going to go off topic. So you've just talked about what we would need on other planets and on our planet to survive. Linking back to what this whole thing about, which is the extraterrestrial... 
<laughs> them people, would they need all that stuff? That's reckon? what we're talking about. Yeah, they, they probably would. We don't know for certain because we haven't found anyone yeah, to base it off. It's because like the the stereotypical alien. Obviously, they fly around in their spaceship drinking their like alien juice. Yeah, exactly. We we don't know exactly what they would need, but we can gauge a pretty good idea of it by what yeah. we have here. Because if they were out there, like if they were in space, for example, I'm going to be honest, I don't think they'd need that stuff because they would have already adapted to like their bodies would have adapted to not needing that stuff. Unless they've made a rocket or a ship which provides them with what they need, such as like the space station that we have up there, for example. It's hmm. the same same concept because we need all that. Yeah. And they can survive up there. So it depends how advanced they are technologically, doesn't it? Yeah, because like, I think that's something else as well like with a stereotypical big-headed alien that they're way smarter than humans, which, to be honest, isn't that hard to be smarter than the average nah. human. Yeah, it's, it's not hard. Like, life always starts from something beta, say to say it like that. And because when our, we began, like in our episode uh, about it, we, we we were nothing. It was just basically bacteria we were. A singular cell, and then it evolved over time, but requires those environments to start that evolution process. So us three didn't evolve that much then? No. Could it be possible for life to l- exist on uh, something smaller than our planet? Like, let's say Pluto. Of course it can. What? I'm not sure if they're calling a planet, if they're calling a moon. Oh, it's like a little star or something, I don't know. Pluto's a dwarf planet yeah, now. That's right. A that's dwarf planet, okay. That's Short planet. Theoretically, yes, if it has all the things it needs, it would just need to adapt to a lower gravity situation than we have. And other than that, there wouldn't really be any differences. And would the same, would the complete opposite be for a larger planet? Yeah. If it has everything it needs, they just as long as they're like adapted to the strength of the gravity there, then yeah, it would be fine. Likely, if there was stronger gravity, they'd be much stronger because they'd have to resist a lot more force all the time and vice versa for the like smaller planets. They would probably be weaker than us because they didn't have to resist much gravity. It's like when the astronauts are in space, their muscles deteriorate because they don't have any gravity to resist and pull against. As well as they, they get taller because there's nothing compressing their spine. Yes. Mm. That's actually a fact I learned from the Big Bang Theory. Well, so if you're short, become an astronaut. Your problems will be fixed. That's some good advice. Oh, well, Did I just give it, some good advice? Say, d- your spine does condense back down when you are reintroduced da, da, gravity. Da, 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 no. All you have to do is simply not be reintroduced. Yeah, just stay, stay away, in space. And your spine stays long. So you become a stick man. It's foolproof. Okay. Okay, so moving away from space aliens, we are going to be talk- <laughs> we are going to be moving on to our segment today, which is the game review segment. Yes, if there's one thing us three idiots know how to do, it's review games. Well, of course, we play them almost all day. We know how to play them. And when we're not, we're recording a podcast. That's true. That is true. So today, the, the game we are reviewing is a game that is very quite recent. It's very been recent. On, very recent, actually. It's been on the market... A month? Not less than a two month. months. Less than a month. Came out at the end of July. Big was, brain. Was it July? I thought it was August. This is August. We're in August. All right, moving on. <laughs> All right, moving on. So, the game is called Tribes of Midgard. It, it From what we've played, it is interesting, challenging. It is very interesting, very challenging, and it, it it's funner than you would expect it to be. Definitely very fun. So, would you like me to read the um, kind of the 
the blurb of the game on the internet. Go on then. Go on then, and we'll sum it up. Yeah. Okay, it's only four lines long. But Tribes of Midgard is an action role-playing survival video game developed by Norsefell Gaming and published by Gearbox Publishing. The game was released for Windows, PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 on July 27th, 2021. That tells you nothing about the actual game, does it? It really doesn't. Okay, so we're going to explain it as we can do better than that crap. So, it is, as it said, an action RPG game where you and up to nine friends... There ten. Can be... Ten well, friends. Up, you plus nine. Yeah, oh, you plus total. nine. Ten total. Is equals ten. Uh, maths. So, you and up to nine of your friends can hop into a world... You can run around, gather resources, build up your Viking base, build up your weapons, armor, fight giants, fight a massive wolf as a final boss, explore a massive, well, not a massive, quite a big open world, and it's just a fun social survival game with RPG elements. I'd say that's a good way to sum it up, really. Yeah, there's some good game mechanics to it as well. Very good game mechanics. There is a um, second, uh, like, almost game mode for it, which is survival. Yes. Which... And because the first one Riley was describing was called Saga, which is basically the storyline. Yeah, Saga mode Close is to it. story mode where there's a quest, like build a bridge, fight a wolf, live happily ever after, yada yada yada. Whereas survival mode is just, it's, it's just that picture it like a Minecraft survival world. Basically. There's no end goal. Instead, at night, every night, there's something called hell things. And they're just a type of mob that majority comes out of, the of nights, not every night. Yeah, so after much. okay, so some nights there's something called a blood moon where the like hell things are far more intense, far more numerous. There's mini bosses. Yeah, and after those nights, there's always a night off. But pretty much every night, there's these invasion of hell things, and in survival world, you basically have to survive against those, as well as something that are called yotuns, which is just short. Well, it's like was it Nordic? Yeah, giants? Nordic. Yeah, yeah. Nordic. So these giants spawn periodically. Uh, you can kill one, and a couple of days later, a new one will spawn. And they spawn right on the outside of the map and slowly march towards your base. And if you don't kill them by the time they get there, they're basically impossible to stop. And so you have to fight against these as well as manage defending your base. And in the saga mode, you also have to manage collecting resources for your for the bridge. And in both both of these modes, there is almost a, a calendar, which you you progress towards almost an infinite winter. In uh, Saga mode, which demonstrates infinite night. A fumble winter, as it's called. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And by in survival, I believe it has a, almost a rotation where it goes... Seasons. Seasons, yeah. It'll be infinite winter, and once you make it through that, it goes back to the, like, the normal days at nights. And they actually have like effects on you as well. So if you're not wearing the correct armor in the winter, you will start to slowly freeze to death and become an icicle. And... Uh, Polar opposite in the summer, you will crisp up. You like will just fried chicken. Yeah, you will become a bit of toast. Yeah. Oh, and also as well, I just want to say quickly, we've discussed everything. The setting, like we've said, like it's Nordic, so you play as basically a Viking warrior who's been sent back from Valhalla, which is like the Vikings version of hell, basically. Um, no, Valhalla no, is, heaven. Valhalla is yeah. not hell. Nope, nope. Valhalla is heaven. I'm, I'm totally mistaken. It's where Odin's warriors. Are. Yes, that's it. Yeah, you're a brave Viking. You get sent back from Valhalla to basically defend the land, and there's two ways out of any world. Either you go back to Valhalla using the Bifrost, or the seed that you're meant to protect. Basically, the seed is a massive tree in the middle of your base, which fills up to 10,000 souls. Souls is the main currency. And when that runs out, your world's over. 
That's what the, the hell things come and destroy. Yes. The tree uh, slowly de- deteriorates over time. In the survival mode, you can fill with these settings, increase resources, um, enemy difficulty, how much your tree loses over time, your loot loss, all those good things. Um, add some more challenging way and an easier way for people who are struggling. Yeah. And like I'm saying, once the tree goes, that's it. Your world ends. But something that is worth noting, if you leave via the Bifrost, it's actually more rewarding than just letting your tree get destroyed. Yeah, when you leave by the Vi- Bifrost, for every Yotam you kill, you get something called a Golden Horn. And this can be used to purchase stuff in the shop. They're like premium currency. Apart from you can get it in-game. Yeah. Yeah, so there's two currencies in the game. There's the Golden Horns, which can be earned through playing the game, which do take quite a long time, but eventually you can build them up. Surprisingly quick, though. I mean, I think I had 40 yesterday, and I only didn't I didn't spend any for like three days, and I had 40, so it's pretty quick. And then there's also a pay currency, which you need to buy with real money. But it, literally, can, it's only for cosmetics. Like, you don't gain any in-game advantage by spending no, money on it. No, they're them. only for idiots who would spend money to look like a giant teddy bear or something, you know, for example. You also can get it through the seasons, and because they also have a season pass, which is, I believe, we haven't found out, but is related to the saga mode. It is, yes. Yeah. Basically, the more you play in a world, so the further you go, the better you do. And if you, well, whether you leave by the via the Bifrost or your, or your tree gets sent to Kingdom Come, you basically get loads of XP, you get certain rewards, and these levels level you up for essentially a mini battle pass, but the rewards are actually half decent in there. Yeah. And across the map, there's like a variety of biomes. There's like a swampy biome with little goblin enemies. There's an ice biome. There's like a shipwreck biome, which is kind of like the beaches. Desert biome as well, remember? Deserts, yeah. Uh, And all of these have different types of enemies in, and these different types of enemies give you different things when you kill them, and these different types of things can be used to make different elemental weapons, which can then be used for elemental advantages over different Yotans, different like groups of enemies. Yeah, there's also different levels of... Um, weapons, armor, potions, all that stuff. And yeah, of, and of course the Yotams. After you've killed the first one, and the one after is always stronger than the one before. Yes. So sometimes you have to think about the ones you kill, and because they like spawn within a three-day period of each other. Yeah, you have a base which has a bunch of different crafts people in it. You have a blacksmith, a tinkerer, a potion master, and an armor. Well, there you go. And these guys are all level 1 when you spawn in. They can go down to level 5. You can upgrade them with souls. And as you upgrade them, they allow you to make more advanced weapons, tools, resources. That's something I like about the game. How you can upgrade your camp and your camp's defences and stuff. Yeah. There's just something about that in games which I really enjoy. And yeah. the higher level that they are, the better they are at defending against the hell things alongside you. So that's really cool. And of course, around the camp, there are things you can build up to it. Also, increase your chances at defending against hell things like gates, uh, arch yeah, towers. which are gates and archer towers. Yeah. So basically, the further you go for them, the more damage they put out, the more the stronger they the have, etc. As, as well as external resource collectors, so you can build like farms, oh, yeah, quarries. Yeah, there's a farm, a quarry, and a lumber, lumber yard. Yeah. So wood, stone, iron, all the things you need for potions, like the meat and stuff, all of that. Come straight in from those things if you can get them built up with your souls and your resources that you find by hand. 
yeah, it's, you don't have to be, you have to be tactical, but not like skillful, if that makes sense. Like you need to know the tactics of the game if you want to progress far, but you don't need to have good aim or something, for example, because it's very simple controls. Yeah, you don't have to go like, oh, stretched reds, look at my 360 no-scope mode. Exactly. The, fir- the first time I played it, I was playing it with Jack, and Jack had played it a little bit before with Riley, but it was just me and Jack. I was completely new to the game, and I just spent the entire time harassing him, and we actually made it past the first giant. We did pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I'd only played, I think, one game by that point, or maybe it was two, but they were very short games. And I was being completely useless. Yeah, I mean, for uh, to be, I think for the first, like, five minutes, you run around doing literally nothing on purpose. I think I ran around chasing you, stealing your stuff. Oh, yeah, you did, actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, you were being a thief. <laughs> yes. He was. Fair enough. But I really like the fact that you can play in groups up to 10. I think that's really cool. And the thing is, though, is if you're playing in a group of 10, everything will be much harder than if you're playing in groups of one. So the game will scale in difficulty. So you don't have to worry if you're a solo player. The game's not going to be impossible for you. Let's, All right, moving on. Let's continue. Let, should we go back to our stuff about space? Who would like to start again? I could... Uh, I Rudy, could take the stage. Go ahead. Say, take the stage for Rudy. Take the stage. I'll, I'll do my best. So mine is about a uh, close... Well, a close encounter, almost. Around uh, in 2017, 19th of October, we had an interstellar visitor, which people speculated to be alien life, just because how abnormal it is. It sent, it hit news lines, headlines, paper. The name is pronounced Omoa Moa. It was discovered in Hawaii by the Pan Star RS1 telescope. Of course, it was discovered in Hawaii. That is why it has this sort of name, which I uh, at first thought it was very impeculiar name. That's when I looked into it a little bit more, and the name in Hawaiian actually means uh, something like visitor or first visit, which is pretty suitable for this. What they first thought was a comet. It started to raise flags, though, and because it was uh, coming in really quick, over 200 uh, kilometers per hour, which was quite quick for a comet. And it also had a very impeculiar shape, almost like a flying saucer, they thought at first. Which is, uh, you, you, you would think it is uh, slightly strange. After further inspection of it, the thing moving at 200 kilometers per hour, they uh, realized that it wasn't exactly a flying saucer. It wasn't a pizza dish. It was more, more a cigar shape. And uh, it actually broke a record. And because... Uh, the closest comet that we've had was uh, only three times as long as it was wide. This one was ten times as long as it was wide, which was a uh, really big thing to astronomers. Is it like Thanos' ship? <laughs> Potentially. Imagine a massive cigar in space. So it's very long. Yes, very long. Not girthy, though. Not girthy, no. Not w- wide. And it was actually accelerating away from our sun, which it, which is quite common behaviour for um, comets around that time. The reason for this to be such common behaviour for comets around this uh, area is because they are actually 
almost powered by their tails, because uh, comets and asteroids have tails from when they start to melt away. You know, because they're usually made of uh, gases, uh, solidified gases, water, and that. But another strange thing about Oumuamua was that it didn't have a tail. From Earth, they could not see a tail on it. So this brought up a lot of uh, ideas, a lot of uh, conspiracies, you could say. Speculation. Speculations. Due to that, they didn't know what actually caused it to slingshot like it did. Because going from 200 uh, kilometers per hour, roughly, and increasing in speed away from the sun was not really uh, usually known. And of course, uh, it I don't believe it actually lost mass, which is another red flag. Yeah, that's weird, because usually when they're traveling, they get a bit bashed up and they lose bits of them, don't they? After deliberation, they did end up classifying this as a interstellar visit. Interstellar? interstellar? Yeah. Interstellar visit. Because of uh, the actual look of this uh, asteroid uh, or whatever they actually classified it as, and I, I'm not sure what they actually classified it as. It might have been a comet. I know, I know the digits they've given it, which is something like 1i-2017. One N, U I U one, not one N, but that was the actual digits they gave it, and because they didn't classify it yet, and once this thing slingshotted away from the sun, started uh, just going, of course, in another direction. Uh, these details I'm not so keen on, and because it was hard, it's hard for them to estimate. I believe they started going towards the Pegasus. I think it's called the Pegasus Star. I believe that's where its next uh, course is, or at least what they estimate it is, as long as it doesn't get, I don't know, eaten by a black hole. Um, this is f- this information is from NASA, this bit, but they actually found out that uh, the surface of this uh, um, comet, asteroid, potential alien ship, was um, red. It, was, it had like a red mist around it, and this was due to it being uh, hammered by... Uh, Rays? What are they called? When gamma rays? Gamma rays. It might, actually, it might not be gamma rays. Ultraviolet rays. Potentially. It's when a um, star explodes. It releases... Uh, oh, radiation. Yeah. Just loads of different I ways. I would say it's loads different, of different types ways. of radiation. It had a, a special name. So basically, it just had a red mist around it for it. It had been battered by loads of radiation. Yes. They came up with a theory that it was either made from... Hydrogen ice, which was a theory. They actually have not come across any hydrogen ice at all in their observation of the stars, of comets. It was speculated that 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 could happen. It would be so hard to do, though, because hydrogen needs to be so cold to actually become ice. That's where the theory of it kind of dies about, because it was so close to our star, it was... One quarter of the distance of, of of us away from the star, so a quarter of our planet's distance away from the star, which is 0.26 astrometers, I think they're called astrometers, which uh, is uh, how they measure our galaxy. Sorry, and hydrogen you'd... ice would have to be minus 259 degrees Celsius. Yes. Damn, that's cold. They. This is a speculation. The they coldest have... temperature possible is minus 273 degrees Celsius cold. It's a speculation that 
this uh, Amoamoa came from a colder solar system. They think it's been that's uh, like the only way traveling for three hundred thousand, three hundred, I think it's three hundred thousand years. I was gonna say, well, to get it colder, that surely it has to come from somewhere else. Yeah, it wouldn't come from here. No, it wouldn't come from here. No, and this is where they. This is how this actually they actually think it could have been. Is because from Earth we would not be able to see the tr- the tail of it because hydrogen is invisible, or at least from how far we are away, it'll be invisible. Yeah, that makes total sense actually. But it didn't lose mass, so that kind of threw that theory out the window. Doesn't make total sense. But what they I'm not I I do not know the science behind this, but what they do believe is that it was made of a dense material like iron, or just dense rock. Like I said, I don't know the theory of this. And that somehow helped it move away. But we're not here for what NASA has said about it. We're here for what other people have said about it. So the alien theory about it is that Oumuamua was uh, a alien, almost like an alien ship. This was uh, speculated by a scientist called Loeb. I believe that's how you say the name. And uh, it was that it almost used... Uh, it's flat, it's long, and it's reflective. And it almost used the sun, the sun's reflect re- reflect off the rock, to push it, almost, like a sail. Like a solar panel. Like a solar panel. But, of course, a quote from Loeb was that nature doesn't make sails. So that is the speculation about it being alien. In my mind, is a reasonable speculation. If I heard something had just slung shot away from the sun, I'll be a little freaked out. Yeah, not had a trail, not lost mass. Yeah, that, not a trail, that's, not lost that's mass, a bit weird. And is accelerating away what from I the sun. What I want to know, though, is how do they know it didn't lose mass? Did they send someone up with a scale and made it? Like... I believe it's, they're going off the theory that it was hydrogen. And because that is the only way they could uh, it could lose mass without leaving a trail. Okay. And, uh, of course, hydrogen being that close to the sun, it would lose so much. It would, lose a, it would have to lose a tenth for this to be able to happen. It's a very long shot for it to be hydrogen, it being that close to the sun. Mm. But that was, our, that was our first interstellar visitor in 2017. So possibly we had aliens visit our solar system just four years ago. Yeah. Jeez. It's pretty cool to think about. NASA has, of course, disclosed that as it was reddish because of radiation. From what NASA said, in my opinion, they could be right. Or maybe they're covering it up. Perhaps Thanos just got a new sick paint job. Thanos got a new sick paint job, most likely. Got anything else for us, Rudy? Or should we move on? That is everything that I have on Amoamoa. There is, as a side note, we have had a second visitor from what we believe could be the same direction, who they've named 21 Borisov, which is our second interstellar interstellar visitor. They speculate it's come from a dwarf star, which is uh, colder than our own. Why did they call it Boris? I don't know. It's a. They must have taken inspiration from us. Us? Us? Yeah, the UK. Oh, the UK, okay. So have we been asked, like, is it I, us? No, I, I did not. Say, when have we inspired anything? Exactly. The only thing we inspire is the loss of brain cells. But that is everything I have on Amoa Moa. Would you like to take us off, Riley? 
Yeah, sure. I'll cover something I found. So I looked at what kind of started the theories of aliens, like what, where did aliens kind of originate from, basically. And using this website, which is called Scientific American, Jack is very happy about that. Those two words don't go in the same sentence, unfortunately. While researching, this is something I found. One of the very earliest recorded examples was written in 200 AD by Lucian of Samos Sata in eastern Turkey, a writer of satire and practitioner of rhetoric of Assyrian descent, it is thought. Among his works is a novel called Vera Historia, or True Story, that details a journey of the moon and the discovery of a multitude of life there. That lunar life includes three-headed vultures, birds made of grass with wings of leaves, humans sweating milk, and fleas the size of elephants. Wait, when was this again? Was this before? 200 AD. Alright, so it goes back in time. Yeah, it goes back in time quite a bit. I would like to go. You, you want to go to that moon? Yes. You want to go to that moon with three-headed vultures, birds made of grass with wings of leaves, humans sweating milk and fleas the size of elephants. I just want to see the grass birds. To be fair, that would be pretty cool. That is something you'd see in like Avatar, isn't it? Exactly. Pretty that cool. would be pretty I cool. I can bring one back as a pet. Also, I would want to know how sweating milk would feel, if I'm being honest. Probably the same as sweating sweat. But tastier. Salty milk. <laughs> Very appetising. Moving on. Clearly the story is far from true, and Lucian didn't hide that this was that this was a fantasy. In fact, he was in part making a philosophical point about the impossibility of real truth, and the fallacy of other thinkers for claiming to be arbiters of truth, including ho- hallowed folk like Plato. Don't this Plato. Yeah, so this tale is one of the earliest known where detailed alien life is imagined. The beings of the moon are even at war with beings on the sun. Aliens, it seems, would be susceptible to our kind of flaws. Interestingly, the possible existence of solar life was still doing the rounds in the late 1700s and early 1800s, thanks to the astronomer William Herschel. Except Herschel wasn't writing fantasy, he really suspected they could be living things on the sun, on a hypothetical solid surface. So now now that probably wouldn't be possible, right? Because we know it's not solid. Yeah, so now we know that that was just rubbish. He was old, and he was speculating. But... That I have more, which dates back further than the 1700s. The moon has always been a good incubator for ideas about other life. The 10th century Japanese narrative, or Mongo Gattery, of the tale of Princess Kagua, has versions where the titular princess has been sent to Earth from the people of the moon during a celestial war, but this story has aliens in human form. Okay. So... uh are these aliens, do they just look like humans in this... Uh, in this story, yes, they look like humans. So we haven't made it to our big-headed uh, friends yes. on the stars yet? No, not yet. In fact, it's interesting to see that from the earliest days, including the ideas of the ancient Greeks on cosmic pluralism, people have tended to either assume extraterrestrial life would be like us, or go for the full bizarre alien treatment. Despite that split, more often than not, there's been a bias towards human forms all the way up through the 1700s and 1800s, where writers like Voltaire and his 
Micromegus has aliens from Saturn who, despite being 6,000 foot tall, are basically human. They're just giants. They're just giants, basically, yes. Damn. It does make sense if you look at a more um, realistic point of view on that, that they could look like human they with the slight alterations to their habitat. It is very possible. Well, we've got everything we need. We well, I'll have more. Our organs. Yeah, I'll have more. It wasn't really until Darwin's theory of evolution broke ground that anyone tried to imagine aliens as living things with lineages that related to the environments of their origins. Up to this point, anything non-human was, like Lucian of Summiter's Funky Beasts, more often than not, arbitrarily fantastic. I have one more thing I'd like to say, or two more. Go ahead. One of the slightly more forward thinkers was the French astronomer... Astronomer. Astronomer. (laughs) Astronomer, thank you. Camille Flamorian. Although he was a pretty far-out advocate of a blend of Christianity and pluralism in which souls pass from planet to planet. In 1864, he wrote a book called Real and Imaginary Worlds, and in 1887, a fictional piece called Lumen. Between these, he concocted aliens that in many ways had a bias in the scientific thinking of the time. There were sentient plants whose digestive and respiratory systems were combined, mermaid-like creatures swimming in rose-coloured oceans, and human-like beings with extra toes on the heels of their feet and a single conical ear on top of their heads. Nice. So that basically just concludes that people see aliens in different ways. So, uh... What you're saying there is that most interpretations of aliens came from stories. Yes. So no one actually saw a green man come out of a flying saucer. Because here's the biggest question with stuff like that. like With the classic alien look of big head, green, green, grey, whatever the hell, how did you get that image? That's my question. It's very universally accepted. Like you said, grey slash green are the two colours that people think of with the big head, the big eyes, maybe like a little slit nose, little mouth, not really any ears, maybe. But then something that I've kind of like, just from thinking about it, like someone must have based that off of something. Exactly. It's so universal. They could, if you think about it, they could have based off a combined amount of animals. Well, not amount, but combined, uh, combined animals together to get that. And because if you think about it, the stereotypical alien could be a com- combination between a human and a frog, with the head of being with larger like frogs and with frog eyes, mm. large eyes. Yeah, it's, it's and they possible. just change the skin tone because why not? Or someone just thought that up. But then why would everyone choose grey or green? Yeah, then why would everyone just universally accept that though? That's what I'm thinking. Well, it could just be that someone thought it up and thought, huh, I'm going to trick everyone, but... But trick everyone, no. Maybe he came up with his own idea and everyone with that. Maybe. If someone someone told you that the colour red was blue, but you continuously said that, other people may hook onto that, other people may have their own theories and say, no, that's green, or that's red, but there will always be that group of people who think the colour red is blue. Yeah. Hmm. And if that becomes large enough, that becomes the main stereotype about around it. Could be. There's loads of different ways. No one, and there's something else I kind of gathered from researching that no one really knows where the true origin came from. Someone could have seen something, it could have been a combination of things, someone could have just made it up. No one really knows. 
there are so many different versions and variations that it could possibly be. No one knows. Or it could have been someone hallucinating. Someone could have hall- exactly. hallucinated these images. Again, there are so many ways it could have been. No one knows a true answer. That's what I kind of gather from my research. It's kind of impossible to tell the true origins. No one knows. Yeah, as a element of being alien again, doesn't it? Because yeah. it's mysterious. No one understands it, no. That's why it's alien. No one understands it. The concept it. of aliens is alien. Yeah. I must say, I know that we none of us actually have researched into this part, but how about crop circles? Do you think that could just be someone trying to mess with someone else? I know for a fact it's people trying to mess with other people. I know for well, a fact. But that could be where the whole uh, kickoff started, someone trying to mess with someone else. Someone theorises this existence of life and someone decides, oh, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put this branch on my head and I'll, in the dark I'll come at him going, oh, gabooga, booga, booga. Again, it's another potential theory. It, it, it's just like I said, so many potential ways you can't pin down what it is. You can come up with all these theories, all these speculations. It's impossible to tell where it all really started. Yeah, exactly that. It could it could have had nothing to do with grey or green aliens. It could have had nothing to do with people with big eyes or big heads. Exactly. It could be like stories and myths, how they change as oh. they get passed down. And because it's ever since the very first person accused it, the existence of aliens, from especially as far as you said back, that could have changed. Exactly. Did you look at Egyptian hieroglyphs at all? I didn't get time for that, I'm afraid, no. Okay. Well, we look back even way past when Riley was looking at it potentially 5,000 years ago, and they were looking at hieroglyphs with... It obviously has potential to just be absolute chance, but there's certain hieroglyphs, certain depictions that looks like people praying to what we see today as flying saucers. Large people with people at their knees. It could potentially be a leader and a slave, like, depicted through that way. However, too coincidental, though. Yeah, and there are ones that look like modern-day helicopters. There are all these different hieroglyphs which look like different things that we have in modern-day society, or which are almost too good to be true, in a sense. Too strange to not be alien. It's almost, uh, you've been speculating this, and there actually is something, and you don't know what to do. Yeah, and there's so much speculation with Egyptians and aliens as it is that it seems weird that this would come at the same time as all the other speculation is, if that makes sense. So there's all the speculation is, did the aliens help make the pyramids? And then there's all these hieroglyphs which potentially depict alien spacecraft and alien people. Like there's one that literally looks like what we depict a modern like in our head as an alien. Mm. There's a hieroglyph that looks like that, or like a bit, a it, bit it, of it's art. It's almost too coincidental yes yeah. it's too coincidental exactly that anyway moving on from that topic as interesting as it is i would like to have a little talk about where we are likely to find life first so obviously we're more likely to find life in places which are closer to us so the first place we're going to look is within our own solar system neighboring planet mars potentially has life now quite likely i would like to say potentially had life i don't think likely is the right word but it's more likely to have had life in the past than it is to have it now to have it now they would have to the aliens would have to be something that it completely defies the laws that we have in place now or something so small that we can't see it that's the other option microscopic aliens there are two moons of saturn 
one of which is called Titan, one of which is called Enceladus. I've probably butchered that name. But they are likely to have, well, not likely, but potentially have life on. And the same goes for Europa, which is a moon of Jupiter. So that's pretty cool. We have some places in our own solar system that we are going to look at very soon in, in the reality of time. However, looking a little bit further afield than that, looking for planets similar to ours, for example, there are exoplanets and different planets which appear similar to ours. One of which is called Kepler-186f. And it was discovered in 2014. It has a radius of 7,454 kilometres versus Earth's, which is 6,371 kilometres. And that is a little bit bigger, but the difference in gravitational strength would be minimal. It orbits a a red dwarf star, which outputs energy similar to our star. And it is the first Earth-sized planet that we found in a habitable zone. However... It is on the very far reaches of what we would predict the habitable zone to be. So it is uh, on the edge of that coin. Yeah, so that means that the surface temperature is minus 85 degrees Celsius. We haven't been down there to check, but we predict it will be. So it's pretty cold. There's also 130 day years. So that's like basically a third of our years. So that just means it's orbiting really quickly. And as well as that, because it's so far away from the sun, it's only got one third of the brightness that we have here. So there's going to be far less primary productivity of energy, so far less uh, energy being produced from the sun by plants, for example. Could I quickly speculate? Yeah. If you introduced, uh, let's say, a lot more greenhouse gases into uh, that planet, could it then have the potential for life? Possibly. In a more positive way than negative. Do you mean like if we put greenhouse gases in it, will it warm up and then we can move there or something like that? Uh, potentially. Possibly. Yeah, because it's basically just prepping the oven. We like don't know what's happening with our planet now. That's the problem. We don't know these things. We haven't done it, and it's hard. You can't just take it to a lab and do an experiment on it. It's, you know, these things yeah, are on a mass it's pretty, scale. It's pretty sizable, isn't it? But you know, having one third brightness to put that into perspective, that means that at midday, so the brightest time, their light there is the same as our light here when we're one hour away from sunset. So that's pretty dark. That's the lightest it gets. That that's the lightest. So it's. Like Earth, a little bit bigger, a lot darker, and a and, lot and a colder. hell of a lot colder. So its potential to have life is the most similar thing to us we found, but we don't know. We have to go and find out eventually. But we can't actually get there because we're pathetic and scarves, stupid. coats, and hats is what of what we're gonna need there. Then you're gonna need more than that. You're gonna need way more than that. Yeah, we're gonna need to stick an oven on our head. Put an oven on there. Warm that up. Put multiple ovens. It's gonna take multiple ovens. Exactly. Multiple radiators. But now, but now you've actually got me thinking about the greenhouse gas thing. It could work, or could it do the complete opposite and block out the remaining sunlight? Uh, it would probably end up resulting in a warm warming, just judging by how the physics of particles work. But it, again, it's a massive experiment, massive speculation. We don't know. We have to base our theories off of what happens here, and the might behave differently there than it does here due to different conditions, different heats, different pressures different gravitational pools. Now that actually is a very good point. Would it have a different pressure because of the... I'm not sure if it would be because of the gravity? Well, the gravitational strength is slightly higher because the planet's bigger. But the difference, again, like I said, isn't that big. Like You would probably feel a little bit heavier, but there wouldn't be too much of a difference. It would be like having a bad ache. Or, or just... Sort of like... Or just being large. Just wearing a weighted vest. Yeah. Or being American. That too. 
What about them, though? It'd have to be an American wearing a weighted vest if you're American and you go there. An American skin suit. Surely that's just a sumo suit. Just because we were talking about exoplanets, what is an exoplanet? An exoplanet is any planet beyond our solar system. Most of them are orbiting stars, but freely floating exoplanets are called rogue planets. They orbit the galactic centre and are not tethered to any star, which... uh, I'll just assume they don't have the possibility for life. Probably not, because they probably don't have the warmth and light that they need. But there are apparently 216 exoplanets out there, and only 20 of which are plausible for there to be to become the second Earth. Out of these 20, I don't believe all of them tick all of the boxes, or else there'll be more than just Kepler, which Jack's noted. Okay. But that also involves the Goldilocks zone. So it could be that it's the planet's in the Goldilocks zone, but doesn't contain water. Or it might be way bigger slash way smaller than Earth, so we don't know whether it's feasible yeah. for life to be there. It could just be a speculation. Alright. Cool. Alright, so you have a few more notes to chug through, don't you, Jack? Yeah, I've got a bit more to do. I want to talk about some of the weirder things that has happened on Earth. Some different events that have happened here which seem a little bit out of this world literally so in the summer of 1947 in a place in new mexico just outside of a place called roswell actually it was the name of the place there was something that happened which is inventively named the roswell incident there was much controversy about this however the agreed upon facts are that the object was at first assumed to be an alien saucer there were many saucer reports that had happened in that year and the government changed their story lots of times. So what actually happened? A object, which now is claimed to be a weather balloon, but then was claimed to be a flying saucer, which then got changed to a spy device, which then got changed to a USSR spy device, because this was at the dawn of the Cold War. But this thing crashed, and witnesses had very similar stories. And they said things uh, along the lines of they saw bodies being taken away, like these alien images that we have in our heads now. But they were explained as parachute dummies by the government. The other theory is that the object was a USSR spyware, but there is literally no evidence of this. So this was just a speculation. It is a speculation, but it's also quite possibly the most likely event that's happened on Earth to be an alien event which the government has found and hidden up because of how many witnesses there are that all say the same thing, how much evidence there is against the government and how much they change their own story because at first they said it's out of this world, they said it's not from No, it's not about it being a USSR spy plane. That, that's a speculation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The USSR thinks it's a speculation. Say, so far the alien seems pretty real. I was just going to say, it sounds like the USSR thing is a bit untrue. Yeah, it's, it's one of it the... It sounds like that's the least likely thing it no can be. There's no concrete to it. Yeah, there's no concrete evidence of that. But yeah, a witness said that saw the, the object when it crashed. They said that there was a writing on it, which is very similar to Egyptian hieroglyphs. However, instead of being animals and like people and stuff like that, it was actually made of geometric shapes like triangles, circles, squares. So it appeared to be some kind of writing or some form of way to relay information, which I suppose is or writing. barcode. Barcode, maybe. Uh, out sli- of this world a slightly often. different barcode to we're used to. Maybe. But anyway, this was, you know, this was weird because not only had there been way more saucer reports than normal, 
But then there's also potentially landed, well, crashed. Potentially there were bodies taken away. Potentially it was an air balloon and there were crash dummies in it. Why you'd put crash dummies in a weather balloon, sorry, not air balloon? I don't know. That sounds a bit weird. Yeah, and they said the materials, the people that saw it said that they didn't recognise the materials. The government said it was made of basic materials like tin foil and aluminium. Again, weird. Tin yeah. Fo- tin foil. Yeah, like aluminium foil. That's yeah, tin foil yeah I know what the tin foil is. Yeah, so the materials like that Why apparently. Why make a weather balloon out of tin foil? Because it works. Why would the government make an air balloon out of tin foil? Weather balloon. It's for weather, not for sending people up in. Oh, I was thinking of air balloon. Yeah, weather balloon. Yeah, I said air balloon once. That's my bad. And I saw air balloon when you said weather balloon. Yeah, sorry, my bad. It's like like weather balloons are just little things they send yeah. up to like measure. My things. fault. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, it just it seems odd that all these things would line up so well. The r- increased incidents, the changing stories from the government, considering the first thing they said that it was an alien saucer. There were all the witnesses lined up saying the same stuff. What really happened, we don't know. It's so far down the line now that. It's too late to go back on it, really. Unless someone invents a time travel machine and goes and finds out for themselves, which would be but handy. But brings up time travel rules and paradoxes. Oh, let's not get into that. No. We will be here well, all day. So we're talking about aliens. Maybe it'll have its own episode. Someone probably would have gone back in time by the time we would have finished all of that time oh, travel definitely. stuff. They would have come back to tell us to shut up because we'd yeah. be there until we died, probably. See, just so this is completely off topic. This podcast can't be that bad a mistake because no one's come back in time to stop us from making it. Not yet, anyway. Not yet. We're only six episodes in. That, that, that is a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> okay. Shall we continue? Yeah, let's continue. So let's move to more recent times. At the moment, there's a lot going on in America, as always, but there is a report. Well, it's not really a report, but recently the US government officials have said that they are taking UFOs very seriously. And we have been receiving mysterious fast radio blasts since 2007. We get to around three or four of them a month, and every single one of them emits more energy than our whole sun does in 24 hours. So they're pretty powerful. And all that we know about these radio waves, all that we can tell about them is that they are actually not from within our galaxy, not our solar system, our galaxy, so they're not within the Milky Way. They've come from another galaxy. So do you... So- are they speculating that it could be an alien Earth doing it, the exact same thing? It could be an alien civilization with higher tech radios blasting radio signals through space to anyone that can receive them and potentially send some back. So let's talk about a couple of little stories from the past again. There was one, of, I don't know how true these are, probably not very, but there was a couple called Barney and Betty Hill. In 1961, they claimed that they were abducted from their car. It was magnetized and pulled up by a ship. M- ship? That's a combination of machine by, and ship. By a ship. Yep. And apparently they were probed by little grey men. So take of that what you will. In 1965, there was a UFO crash, supposedly in Kecksburg. It was an acorn-shaped object, the same size as a car. And it was covered in, again, these weird kind of geometric hieroglyph patterns. So another similarity between two alien crashes that were only 20 years apart. And that is all the stories I have for today. But there seems to be a large amount of potential evidence. Yeah, that all seems to have similarities, seems to stack up together to prove that aliens might exist. The grey men, the triangles, uh, squares, circles. 
on the potential craft. The Egyptian hieroglyphs? Yep. Like the, the similarities waves? between those hieroglyph things as well. And the radio the wave ships. thing. That's, that's weird. That's the yeah. radio wave thing's weird. More energy than the entire sun in 24 hours. Each one of them, and we receive three, four a month. Is there any way that something natural could be producing them that isn't Not artificial? that we know. No. Not that we know. I don't imagine so. So, like, a sun-like object could not to send out that sort of frequency. Well, ours doesn't. And we don't know any others that do. I'm just going to say... a sun that's smaller or a sun that's way we don't large? Know. I know it could be, but I'm... Uh, like, what natural... What something natural that could produce more energy than the goddamn sun? I'm not really a saying bigger a sun. bigger sun, but, like, we don't actually know. Like, we, we haven't been able to get close enough to a bigger sun to know, but it's probably not a bigger sun because it would still have similar mechanics to the sun that we have here, so... But yeah, those similarities in the hieroglyph things between the two ships, that's weird. Like, yeah. could they have potentially... If it is true, could they have come from the same place? Like the, the, or the biggest, do they just yeah. use the same language? The biggest thing is the government changing their story on the yes. topic. Yeah, multiple times. Not on just the, once, multiple on the, times. Yeah, multiple times. Like, oh yeah, it is extraterrestrial. Oh no, no, we were joking. It, it's not. It's a weather balloon. Yeah. No. So yeah, let's look at the evidence we have that might point to aliens. So we have planets out there which are similar to ours in both atmospheric construction and size positioning. We have similar stories from similar people across different times. We have hieroglyphs. We have the radio bursts. We have the different stories again, but this time linking to the theory of the little grey men with like the big heads and where does that conception come from? Everyone across the whole planet coming up with the same ideas from a time before everyone across the whole planet was connected. So I think it's, to me at least, it seems likely that there might be something else out there. In my own personal opinion, I definitely believe there is something else out there. If they visited us already? Not sure on that one. Yeah, not sure. And because there's speculations about it, there's no hardcore evidence. But could these speculations be true? Could they have been founded on evidence which is uh, just not viable enough? Like, oh. Oh. of course, people. People's opinion, pe- what people saw. People like to make up stories for popularity. That is true. People do like to fake things all the time. What do you think, Ry? I'm going to agree with Rudy on this one. I'm going to say that it's just so big. It's There's so much out there we haven't seen I'm sorry, but there's no way that we're the only living life out there. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm sorry, there's got to be something else out there. Like, would you two say the same? Like, I know Rudy did, but yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I totally think there's something else yeah, out there. It's like it's just if you get, it's just so big. Even there's so we, much we haven't explored. Even if we didn't have all the evidence that we do, there is still so much out there that we haven't even looked at. It, it, it's a lottery, and the lottery can be won more than once. Is how I look at it. Yeah, yeah. And there's so there's just so much that expands so far that we can't even think about it because we our brains are too stupid to comprehend how big it is. It's just so big out there, like even just not even in this galaxy, but in another one. There's got to be something else out there, even if it's like a multiverse situation with gal- different galaxies. There's got to be another thing out there. 
And it kind of annoys me when people say there isn't because, well, have you gone and explored space then? Do you know how goddamn big it is? But I can also understand those people in a Do way. We? Do we know how big it is? God, no. It's bigger than we could ever comprehend. But yeah, I do understand those people because, in a way, there is nothing that points to definitive evidence that there are aliens. Yeah. I can believe them, but like I do believe them. But at the same time, I just personally think that we can't be the only ones. Yeah, and I think if everyone is happy, that's a good place to draw out the podcast. We've definitely had some interesting discussions today. We've really Most did, definitely. yes. And I hope everyone enjoyed today's episode, because I certainly did. I did. I, enjoyed I, I really episode. enjoyed it. I, I actually really like this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like going into the conspiracies and like it allows you to speculate. And going into uh, the unknown. Yeah, I really like, I know it sounds stupid, but I really like if you can ask the question like, what if or what is, you know. No, of course you like I that. like those conversations about that. Unless you use your imagination. When there's hmm. more than two ways this could go. Yes, when there's multiple like choice, if you take. I love these kind of discussions. Thank you very much for listening. You know where to contact us. You can contact us with email at trulyknowledgepodcast at gmail.com. Or, or Instagram. Instagram, exactly. At Truly Knowledge Podcast. Thank you for listening. You've tolerated us for a very long time. Once again, this is might even be our longest episode to date. I think it is. Sh- should we? Should we, boys? The, the celebratory round Let's of applause. Celebratory round of applause for you.